All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101Insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your co-host, Bryce Paul, as always, joined by my notorious compadre, Mr. P.I.Z., the pizza mind. How's it going, brother? I am surviving so far. As (laughs) we alluded to in an earlier episode, we're kind of entering Mordor territory here in the crypto market. And with that comes many little precious items that we're trying to cling on to for dear life. And it would seem like the ones that are retaining their value the best at the moment, at least, are NFTs, which uh, I don't know a whole lot about and I want to learn more. So Bryce, what can you tell me about this? Well, all I can tell you is uh, we're bringing on an expert and a founder of a, a leading NFT project. We have Betty from Dead Fellas coming on the Crypto 101 podcast to tell us about the project she founded and uh, why she's so passionate about NFTs. So without further ado, Betty, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing really good. I appreciate uh, being on here. Yeah, no, we're excited uh, to, you know, I guess the place I wanted to start is how, right? How does a person end up, you know, deciding that they're going to launch an NFT project? What was kind of your background that led you uh, to this? Um, Well, it was a real natural uh, progression for me and just a a natural trajectory. So prior to launching Deadfellas, I was co-director of a creative production agency. So we, when I say we, I refer to me and my husband, Syke, who is the co-founder of Deadfellas and the artist for Deadfellas, we would create very, I guess, corporate leaning creative for um, large companies and brands around the world. Um, we would do it like white label. We we never advertised, nothing like that. So it was 
it was good. We had great clients, but it was very, very corporate and, and not super exciting and also not very pandemic proof. So with the, the pandemic coming in, a lot of the large events, the large global events that, you know, we come together and celebrate, we lost a lot of creative contracts through that, which was really hard. And so we were in this kind of pickle. It was last January, January, 2021. Psych has always been a digital artist for many, many years. And I have always been in community organizing and community developing and mutual aid and all of these sorts of things on the side of the creative work that I do. Anyway, some artist friends of his from a collective that he's been part of for many years, uh, Depthcore, they came to him and said, hey, you should look into NFTs. They're really awesome. They were already minting and seeing some success. They explained, you know, briefly what they were and he relayed that to me. And for me, it was like the heavens had opened and like a like an amazing, like hopeful ray of light had come down. Like it just... I had been waiting for something for so long that felt disruptive and new and, you know, full of potential to create real change in the world. Aside from, you know, just being an answer to one or two problems, I see the application of technology that's being used for currently just, I guess, the application of art mostly just so expensive and amazing. So just dove right in and then I guess one thing led to another. I saw the phenomenon of the PFP thing happening and that was very, very interesting to me. I'm really, I've always been very concerned with um, digital identity and and the way we express ourselves in all aspects. So the PFP thing was immediately interesting. I personally didn't see anything that I wanted to use for my own PFP. And so... A profile um, picture, right? Profile picture. When I, yeah, when I refer to PFP, I mean profile picture. I was seeing these kind of subcultures form around these profile pictures, and I just found it so fascinating what was happening there. It's just this intersection of culture and community, art, technology, all in one movement. Felt like too much to pass up. Like I had to be part of it. So here we are. So here we are. And now Deadfellas, I mean, this is this has gotten to be quite successful. You know, if you just pull up OpenSea, uh, the uh, the floor price right now on the day of recording, you know, it's right around 0.77 Ethereum. So that's, you know, pretty pretty much like 1500 bucks, 1700 bucks around there. But some of these things I'm seeing have sold for like, you know, 70 Ethereum or 20 Ethereum. So, you know, between 40 and you know, $140,000. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that you know, me and, and other viewers and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're just struck by some of these, these prices. And how is there such a discrepancy between different assets that, that they're from the same collection, but they have different prices? So can you talk a little bit about, you, you could do, you know, dead fellas in particular, you could say, you know, NFTs generally, here's how people value them. I think like, how do you assign value to anything? It's an idea, right? So if somebody agrees, this is what something is worth, then that's what something is worth, no matter how ridiculous you might find it. Um, And that can be applied to anything. It can be applied to marbles or trading cards or, you know, vintage, I don't know, doilies, like anything. It could be... Yeah, collectibles. Anything collectible, but anything not collectible, anything with emotional value or nostalgic value or just anything. 
And so when we apply that to the digital realm, I think it's hard for people to process because we're not used to assigning value to digital items. But as we move into this digital era, you see that happening more and more naturally, especially amongst the younger generation. You know, the amount of money that's spent on skins and video games, for example, is astronomical. People value digital items way more. Now it's just a shift, I guess, in attitude. And um, there has been a collective nod that says, yes, we do believe that these digital assets have value. And I know that a lot of people don't believe that that is something that will carry on. I do believe that that is something that will carry on because I see that this is so much more than that finance and that worth because of that intersection of culture and community. It's so much more than, uh, you know, the crypto market that is kind of built on. So it's a very, very interesting combination of, of very, very different worlds. I think people just like to decorate wherever they spend their time the most, <laughs> whether it's their office yeah. cubicle or their living room or their hut out in the forest. But as we live our lives so much on the computer now, and many in the metaverse or in other games where they have real friendships and real relationships, it makes sense that they're going to assign value and put their money into these environments where they spend their time. And I mean, to some people listening, that may sound completely ridiculous, but I know a couple that's you know met on World of Warcraft and they later met in person and got married and they've been together for decades. So these things can really happen. I mean, it's all uh, it's all communication tools, right? Like mm-hmm. even looking at you right now, where you are, like the things that you surround yourself with are communication tools to let us know who you are and what you're about and how you enjoy moving through life. And there's no difference to that just in an online space doing the same thing. Yeah, Pizza yeah, Mind, I, for, I for all those agree. at home, Pizza Mind has now his office decorated with... All of our uh, award placards from Crypto 101 <laughs> podcast. He has every uh, lanyard of the conferences. He's got our sponsorship gear from a couple places, and he's got a big shirt with pizza and a face on it. <laughs> that's right. That's the Yakuza pizza shirt that my brother got me on his first trip to Japan. And I said, man, that's amazing. So, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a valid point. It really is. So, I think it is going to take off more and more. Give us the state of the NFT industry right now. And how do you see it evolving from when you first began creating in this space? Where do you think it's going next? It's so volatile and exciting at the same time. I think that that nature is just so not for everyone. You know, you have to be very strong to withstand everything that comes with that because you're building what's essentially this strong incredible community and brand and and culture around something that is built on this wildly unstable space. You know, it's, it's so funny because it goes up and down and up and down, but all the while the things that you're building of value are kind of going straight through all of that regardless, uh, which is crazy. So right now, I guess you could say we're in a bear market where when we launched last year, it was August, Friday, the 13th, 2021. And it was, the sentiment was, you know, way more positive. Everyone was hyped. It got, it got more and more and more and more positive and crazy all the way through into about January, February, where at its peak, you know, where sentiment was highest and things were just going so fast. 
And then everything started kind of slowing down again. And with that slowdown, the people, I guess, that were in it for uh, flipping for profits, which is, you know, a part of the space that has to be acknowledged. That's what a lot of people are in this for, had kind of fallen away because there was no longer room for any of that. And so what it's left is people that are building something that goes far beyond that, which is just so great, in my opinion. It's it's kind of given us room to breathe and to build and, you know, set our stall for whatever happens next, which is exciting and unknown. We're at the forefront of a wave and we don't know where we're going, <laughs> which sounds wild, but that's that's just what it is. How do you how do you think about like community management? You know, how how have you built a community and what are your metrics for success? For me, when I think about building something that is received by other people in a positive way, I always think to myself like what do I want to see in the world? What how do I want to make an impact? And I know that other people will identify with that because it comes from that authentic place of intention, which it just sounds so cliche and cheesy, but it's so true because when things do get so hard, there is no effort to keep it going because it is just me and and what I think and how I feel. And those sorts of things have kind of transcended and rippled through to all of the things that we've built around Deadfellas. So our moderators and our operations team, a lot of our community leaders, like we all kind of share that same sentiment. And so it's just naturally formed this this culture all of its own. And I think that as long as we're having a positive impact and people feel that sense of belonging and it's providing a safe space for people where they might not have found it, I think that I'm doing my job right. Because part of the driver for me was um, when I was first entering this space, I just didn't didn't feel like there was a space for me as a woman. I saw that it was, you know, mostly men, mostly cisgendered, I would be listening to Clubhouse and it would be like literally just men's voices constantly the whole time. I'd I'd like run into the room if there was a woman speaking like, oh my God, (laughs) you know? And so just making sure that anyone can participate no matter what, giving permission and validation to anyone to hop in and and feel like they belong is, is kind of my ethos and it's working. And I feel really great and really proud about that. Well, well done for all of that. I love the vision that you have. Uh, give the rest of us some advice. You know, what needs to happen to bring more women into the industry and make it a place where everyone can thrive? I think that that question is a big one because it, it really just takes personal responsibility and personal acknowledgement of um, how are you as an individual complicit in the hurdles that exist for I guess, underrepresented groups of all kinds in this space, because there always is, there always is something. I think that a lot of people see Web3 and NFTs as this utopia of possibility. You know, it doesn't matter what gender you are, you can be anything. All of these opportunities are the same, no matter who you are. And that's just rubbish, in my opinion. You know, the space is the space. We're still the same people that were in Web2 with the same biases, the same discrimination, the same hurdles to even enter into the world of technology or finance or cryptocurrency. And so I think asking yourself personally, like, what can I do in my life that will have an impact, no matter how small, because that's, that's what it's going to take. You know, looking every, every single person looking within, if you see something 
there's not okay going on, call it out. And it can be something from like, you know, you see a panel and it's all male speakers or, or anything like that. It could be anything. Yeah. Personal responsibility, I think. Yeah, no, it's it's not uh, you know it's not easy to build communities, and I think it's just a function of people just generally not being easy to deal with. But you know, <laughs> doing it with grace and inclusivity is definitely uh, you know definitely the the way to go about it. Um, you know, one of the things I, I've been thinking about is just you know the differences between the platforms that NFTs get launched on and listed on. Do you feel like there are market leaders in terms of uh, marketplaces to trade them and then also market leaders uh, in terms of what platforms to mint the NFTs on? There are clear market leaders in terms of marketplaces, but I don't think that it's because of performance. I think it's just because of being at the right time and the right place. I am generally very underwhelmed by all marketplaces that are out at the moment. I look forward to the developments that I've seen across a few of them, and I know that there are more coming. Uh, So that makes me excited. I think it's very healthy to have competition, especially at this stage in the game. In terms of minting, yeah, I do see see competition between them all. I would always recommend uh, looking into... Tools that are easily accessed like Manifold or Bueno to mint your own contract rather than doing it through a marketplace or another platform. Yeah, that's awesome. I've actually never even heard of those. So I'm definitely going to look them up. That's a, that's a really good tip. You know, I, I've heard of uh, OpenSea and Looks Rare. Those are the two popular ones, I think. Both of those are, yeah, both of those are well known, but definitely in terms of having um, ownership over what you create and fully. I guess full accessibility to everything and full full power over it all, which is the ethos of what we're doing. Definitely learn, um, and you can do that easily through yeah tools with Manifold and Bueno. Bueno was created by um, an amazing person, um, Pablo Stanley, who's the head of uh, Robotos as well. A great guy. So yeah, definitely look into those. Can you break that down for us a little bit more for those of us who aren't experienced with either the platforms or minting an NFT? Like, What are the features you want to see on the next generation marketplace? Or what are some of the hurdles or barriers that you're running into with existing ones? I think currently we have a little bit of a sticky situation in that marketplaces are trying to navigate Web3 in a more decentralized way of doing business with having to go through crossing T's and dotting I's because it's it's going to be a space that is regulated. It's already starting. And so they have to be very careful, I guess, and, um, and make sure that they're adhering to various laws and that sort of thing. But I think that in that process, they've also brought through a lot of old attitudes. So creator fees, for example, are very high across a lot of platforms, which means that when... A, an NFT gets sold, the creator um, gives a portion of those royalties to the marketplace that it's sold on, um, which I guess is how they make money, but they are very, very high aligned with, say, what you would see in like a credit card. With the exception of LooksRare, who does not do that, they, uh, they're more creator focused, I would say. But yeah, it's it's funny and it's different from marketplace to marketplace. I know that there's some Web2 platforms that are coming in and their creative fees are as high as 
potentially 50% I read. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure if that's even correct, but it was just an insane thing to read. And I was like, well, of course, you know, that makes complete sense that that would happen. But the whole point, something that excited me the most about this space when entering was the power that it gave back to the creative coming from that background and, and seeing how it was not valued at all. You know, all of a sudden having that power and having that that provenance of ownership as well, because you you know art is constantly stolen and ripped off, and all of a sudden you've got this amazing ledger that you can see, you know, who's owned it, where it's gone, who created it. It's it's amazing. So yeah, I think my wish is for marketplaces to go more into acknowledging and respecting the creator as much as possible. Brilliant. Yeah. No, I think that, that that's one of the, the true powers of NFTs is, you know, putting the the power of even the resale back in the hands of like, you know, the original uh, original artist, because now you can kind of have coded into the smart contract every time there's kind of a change of hands. Um, the original artist or, you know, founders of that collection can can earn, you know, sort of residuals, if you will. Um, are mm-hmm. there any are there any interesting sort of aspects like that to the Deadfellas uh, smart contract? Um, yeah, we do earn royalties from um, the resale of our pieces, but currently that I mean I don't think that that's written into any contract that's set by the different marketplaces that you list on. But in terms of ownership, I mean the the interesting thing about NFTs is the the IP ownership. Uh, can be different across all of different projects. So, you know, some projects are CCO, which means um, anybody can use the IP for anything. There are no restrictions at all. Um, that the Creative Commons. That's it. Yeah. And then other projects have uh, limited IP ownership. So, projects like Deadfellas. If you own a Deadfella, you own the non-exclusive IP rights to that that particular fella so you can use its likeness for whatever there are obviously some legal restrictions to protect to protect people but yeah it's cool because it's it provides people a new way to express themselves i see that as important because in web 2 when you're creating your digital identity and you spend so much time on it like on you know instagram and facebook and all of these spaces the platforms own everything that you're creating. Whereas when you have the IP of an NFT, everything that you're creating belongs to you, which is very important for me moving forward. The debate... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is strong. There's not everyone feels the same way as me. Um, and I don't think that I'm correct. I think that it's very nuanced because it is so new. Nobody really knows where it's going, but it's uh, something that I would like to see through. So that's what we're doing. Fascinating. Yeah. Like I, I'm curious if, um, you know, there's some projects, uh, one of the ones I've heard a lot about is the Gary V 
the friends project and people thought like oh it's pretty cool because if you get one of these nfts not only do you have this as your profile picture and your you know your creative licensing rights and all that stuff but you now get into like you know a bunch of conferences like this is now your ticket to all of his gary v conferences and like the only way you could get in um is either pay a bunch of money cash or if you have your you know your nft and you kind of get in for free and so that's like pretty cool utility do you ever foresee something like that happening with dead fellas or or maybe that already you know, has occurred where you know people could get into events with you know only a dead fella yeah utility is the buzzword of the entire 2021 i think that it was something everyone spoke about nobody really knew what it was going to be across any project um, so far, I think the main utility people have received from top projects is wealth, which is unfortunate, but that is the truth, and merch. So we have basically been fleshing out um, creative tools for our community so that use, part of the utility of owning a dead fellas is you have access to this huge library of resources that you're able to travel through any online space as your dead fella, create um, all kinds of different content as you dead fella, but also, yeah, leaning into those real world applications. So we had um, a massive party at NFT NYC um, in New York this, this past June. And to get into that, you had to, it was token gated. So you had to own something from our collection. We used an amazing, um, an amazing application called token proof, which, essentially acted like uh, a you know a typical ticket distributor but using wallet uh, verification and um, you know checking your ownership of what nft you had to get into these events and then that moved on we had they they came to our party then they went to this huge dead mouse gig afterwards um, all just through owning an nft that happened across all of nft NYC across all different things. Again, it's just a party at the end of the day, but it's just so amazing to bring what has been built for so long, this this real culture and these real relationships together in something that is so exciting and immersive in a whole new world that's being created with this IP for people to just get in by owning one. It was just really cool. But there's so much that could be done. There's so much. We've only scratched the surface on the, the true utility of NFT technology in general, I see it kind of going everywhere from real estate to education to to just everything. Yeah, I, I hear there's even AI personalities that are now being modeled in NFTs uh, that can be applied to just about anything. Um, the technology itself is going to be potentially the most disruptive technology, maybe in the, all the crypto space. It's really, That's really interesting to see. Listen, that's the key yeah. word, disruptive. That is what drew me to this. I was, I felt like nothing I was doing in my creative work or in my work in the community was having an impact on a scale that I wanted to see real change. And I, I feel that this is so disruptive. It's so polarizing. It challenges everything that we've known about traditional business, about IP ownership about what it is to have a community or make a community, any, all of it. Like it's, it's just so interesting to see it all develop uh, overlapped like that. How does an NFT project define success? Like if you're a corporation, your success is basically covering your payroll 
and generating cash revenues that hopefully increase every year. If you're a crypto project, uh, like a layer one or something like that, your success is basically self-sustaining autonomy and decentralized developer base. So the original founder can leave and that network is still going to go forward and thrive. As an NFT project, how do you define success? And is there even like an end goal to get to, or is the journey never ending? Oh, it's such an interesting question because I think that no, everyone you ask will answer this differently. But for me, um, the way I define success is how authentic and real is the feeling of belonging that we've created. And I go back to this, this culture again, I keep saying culture, but it's what is an NFT without culture? It's it's literally just a token on the blockchain. There is no emotional connection. There's nothing truly meaningful about it other than, you know, its resale value or whatever. Um, so when you have real culture, you have people that are connected for reasons far beyond that, that stay together and create together and 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 make change. And that's what I see happening with Dead Fellas. And that's how I define success. So I would, I, and I, I see that across a few other projects. I see not many people doing it in the same way that we're doing it. And their definition of success will be different to mine. But I feel that what we are doing transcends the, I guess, the things that will fall away. And so hmm. the end goal is. There is, there isn't really an end goal. I I want to push this as far as I possibly can because I don't really see an end to it. I see it as expensive, and I want to see where it goes. So, yeah, you're you're building a building a big community. Um, I also think I saw something about um, like uh, some level of collaboration with UTA, uh, yeah, United, United Talent Agency. Is that right? Yes. Um, so UTA has been an awesome relationship to have, honestly. Um, everything that we're doing in Web3, we are across and fine and killing it. Web2 and brand building with traditional media and relaying um, how to interact with Web3 on a meaningful level and all of that sort of thing. UTA provides that bridge to cut through to those people that need to... I guess, hear this because if in, in traditional media and these legacy brands and corporations, um, if you find someone in their office that understands Web3, it is not to the level that they're going to be, you know, playing in this space in a way that makes sense. And so for us, it's like that, yeah, that cut through the noise and, and being able to have these conversations and and bring this this ethos and this this change of ideas and these really amazing collaborations that do change maybe even how those brands start to work in their own ways, which is really awesome to see and to to be part of. So yeah, I, I love UCA. The Web three office is fantastic. It's headed by uh, Leslie Silverman, and um, we work closely with Caroline Hoover, and they're just so fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, and you that's not the only collaboration you've got going. And you've got something going on with the Ledger NFT marketplace that's on its way out right now. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Um, we're on the Ledger Pro team, which is sounds like a, a skateboard team, which is the point because Ian loves be. that sort of thing. 
<laughs> what? Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, Ledger is an amazing brand. It's one of those things where, again, they've they've brought in a level of coolness that typically can't really be brought to like a technology like that. I mean, it's it's wallet safety. It shouldn't be cool, but it is. <laughs> yeah, just um, little hardware wallets, right? Yeah, yeah, but they've managed to turn it into something that people want to be a part of and they've managed to engage community and like turn it into something bigger than itself and really inject itself into these web three communities that have formed. And that is, it's been really cool to see and to be a part of their marketplace. I'm looking forward to very much and all of the things that they're doing. I have a really big passion for education. And I think that that is a big hurdle for mass adoption and people to engage in this space safely and accessibly and their focus on education is something that I just really, really love. So yeah, I do love working with Ledger. Yeah, they're they're a, a reputable brand. It all makes yeah. sense now. You've got these pixelated JPEGs so they can appear on the tiny little Ledger screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. 8-bit, right? Yeah, yeah. We did just release all our pixel fellas as well, which is cool. And they had a little, they had a little JPEG pixel party in uh, the web. Have you seen the World Wide Web? It's like a pixel-based metaverse. Very cool. They had a party in there recently. Wow. We would we turned we turned one last week, so it was exciting. Congratulations! Congratulations! Happy, uh, happy birthday Thanks, slash anniversary. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna, I was actually gonna say, um, man, what other like metaverse worlds do you think are really cutting edge? Um, that are out there that you know people could kind of go online, you know, open up a web browser and start to explore um, some of the compelling metaverses. I think the one that I've seen is called OnCyber. Um, yes, I was just about to bring up OnCyber. So right. we're across we're across all different metaverses. We have land in most metaverses that you could think of. We're developing spaces in all of them, and I think that generally people don't really care about the metaverse too much at the moment with how it is, but we want to be part of the reason people get excited by it. So that's why we are building in all of those spaces. Cause I think that actually it's very exciting on cyber is really cool because to me, it's like an extension of what we've been talking about recently with, um, you know, expressing who you are through how you curate your surroundings and on cyber gives you an, an example of that. So you can display all the NFTs that you have, um, in creative ways, but with these on cyber galleries that they've got with various collections, we just released our own one, which is like a dead fellas world that holders of dead fellas could claim for free. They went in there and you can do everything from stream gameplay to YouTube videos to like everything. And we can interact with people through these spaces as well. So we can like leave them notes and all of that sort of thing they're interoperable with other collections. So you can add on like Aokiverse holders, Steve Aoki's um, NFT project. They've got one as well. You can like connect them all and it's just expensive and cool. That's the very start. And that team is really awesome because they're so adaptive and they move really quickly in response to what the community likes and, and suggests, which is exciting and not something you, you see in typical business, do you? You don't see that like quick nimble movement which is so fun in web3 yeah what sort of big brands 
uh, are starting to embrace NFTs and the metaverse and and maybe even what are some big celebrities that are that are starting to get in into the business? God, there's loads of people. I mean, it's some of the celebrities that people think are oh, they're into NFTs, whatever. They've just collected a few. They're like full degen. So like Sia is wildly into NFTs and like Seth Green and Steve Aoki and all of those people, Paris Hilton, like they're not, they didn't just buy an ape. They're like full in deep. Like <laughs> Mike Shinoda of Linkin Park is another one. And it's interesting to see the difference in strategy between people that enter the space wanting to be a part of it, like the people I listed and other people that come in clearly have been advised, oh, you need to buy this NFT and then this NFT, and then you release your project. Like It's just like a playbook and it's inauthentic and rubbish and people can see right through it. Um, and the same thing goes with brands. Like To enter the space meaningfully takes a long time and a really careful strategy. And to, to have that strategy, you need to really understand the space and be a part of the space and be a part of the communities that are here rather than just buying two NFTs. Like you've seen it so many times, a brand will change its profile picture online and you'll be like, oh, when's the, <laughs> when's the project coming? You know, you yeah. anticipate it. It's also interesting because like, even with like, for instance, the Bitcoin community, it's like, you know, Bitcoin, you just kind of buy it and you just hold it and you never really do anything with it. And, you know, so, you know, I think that what's cool about NFTs and what's cool about even like the DeFi ecosystem is it's not just like, sitting there and you're holding it, but you're engaging with it. You're creating IP off of it, or you're, you know, you putting it into some type of uh like application that that it's utilized as opposed to just sitting there as just stick you know, stale bits and bytes on your hardware ledger wallet. Um, yeah, that's but it. there's a place it's for so, everything. Yeah, it's so dynamic and malleable and exciting. And it's really a reflection of human nature, I think, which is something else that I really love. It like it gives humanity to something that could be quite stale and cold and artificial. Like it is real. Sounds like the altcoin market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm really excited about what you guys are building. I think I also saw something about potentially a Bill Murray collaboration. Any, any uh, info you could give us on that? <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's wishful thinking, but yeah. Bill Murray bought the dead fellas with the outfit that um, uh, he is wearing, he is wearing in uh zombie land mm. in that scene, which is so funny. That's pretty And cool. he is also, he's in, Oh God, the dead never die. Did you see that? I never have. Pizza mind. He, pizza mind's a horror film. Die or something. It was it was released right around when we were designing the Dead Fellas collection. So it was just really funny full circle moment when he bought a Dead Fellas bit. All right. So I'm just I'm just speculating here. <laughs> you are speculating. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, Betty, we we really appreciate uh, all these you know unique insights that you just don't get from from any other kind of info source. But before we let you go, I, I'm just curious, like. If somebody who is out there uh, listening to the podcast and like, man, like I've been slaving away as an artist for years and years. Um, I wish that I could monetize my art through NFTs. What would be like your three-step process or maybe a couple tools? I know you mentioned Bueno and I know you mentioned Manifold, 
But is there uh, any sort of process that you could use to encourage any listeners that might want to start to mint and create their own NFTs? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing is research. So when I say research, I mean, get on Twitter, NFT Twitter, make an NFT only Twitter account because it's it's like a whole little bubble of amazing sources of information. Twitter spaces go 24 hours a day and they are hosted by all different kinds of people. And the amount of information and solidarity and resources that you can find in there are amazing. So I would definitely get into them. I would find groups of people that are doing kind of what you do in a similar way. And there are always discords for those things. And you can talk to people. It's like coming together. They're honestly like when new people come into this space wanting to learn, you will find open arms and you will find people that want to share information. It's not like a typical space. There is not like, I mean, yes, there is competition. Yes, because it is at the end of the day, like people are selling their art, but at the same time, this is a growing industry and people are really open and willing to help others step in. So finding community, becoming, become like it can feel really awkward putting yourself out there, but just do it. Honestly, just do it. And, and then look at these other marketplaces, find what people are doing similar to you and, and just do it yourself. Just see how it goes, see what sticks. You don't have to succeed right away. You can play with different chains. You can mint on Tezos. You could, you know, there's, there's all different things that you can do. See where you feel the most comfortable and just go from there. That's great words of wisdom. And as far as seeing where you're most comfortable, there's so many NFT gatherings and conferences all over the world now. It seems like there's a new one every week. Can you name a few that you feel are really worthwhile to attend? Oh, this is such a hard question. Listen, I had the best, right. I had the lowest expectations of VCon and not because I had low expectations, but just because I didn't have a clue what it was going to be. And when I went, it was the best experience of all time. It was like summer camp for NFTs. It was so many passionate people all together in one space, you know, in one city, everyone kind of descended. It was just the best thing. It was so good. Um, so definitely VCon. Like the first one was amazing. The second one was Where is be, it hosted? It was in Minneapolis of all places this year. It was just, yeah, Minneapolis. And it was... I was like, what's in Minneapolis? You know, it was, I flew from Australia <laughs> to speak, but it was just so good. And then NFT NYC and all of those, NFT LA, like, yes, there is value, but I do not believe that they're organized well at the moment. Like there's too many speakers. The speaking time is too short. The value to, to be received from a talk of 15 minutes is just you know, next to nothing, in my opinion, it's hard to even convey an idea in that time. Mm. So I think that more curated, more curated um, conferences I would look to. I just recently spoke at Korea Blockchain Week and that was really good. I enjoyed that, but that was more blockchain focused rather than, I mean, we were one of the only people speaking on NFTs, which was, which was interesting. And I think really cool to do, but uh, NFT Paris in February looks to be curated really well. It's is a developing space. Yeah, totally. I think that's that's fair, and I think you know we really do see that kind of fluctuation, like in the crypto and DeFi sort of markets. Um, you know, when when there's 
uh, sort of a lull or a, or a bear market. Sometimes these conferences, uh, you know, they just get sparse. But you know, with that being said, uh, I, I'm I'm curious. Just my last question: out of all the other NFT collections, um, without you know naming your own, is there one NFT collection that really stands out? I, I know everybody talks about the board apes, and that's kind of been the biggest one. So maybe outside of them as well. Do you, do you have another one that you want to give a shout out to? There's a few. There's a few. Um, in terms of community and utility and um, and doing something that means something, I see um, Adam Bomb Squad in the hundreds. I see what Bobby does and it is very aligned with how I work. And I see the real impact that they have and the strides that they're making as a brand that came from web two into web three. I think that's really amazing. But then there's so many projects that have massive impact on people and are changing industries. Like Latasha um, is a web three musician and she is absolutely phenomenal. She is a powerhouse and what she does with Zorotopia is amazing. When we talk about the, the intersection of culture and crypto and, um, you know, self-sovereignty and, all of that, Zorotopia is it. So there's other projects. I love Loser Club um, by Javon. There's, there's just so many that, that are so amazing once you step outside of what is, you know, the quote-unquote top performing projects. Yeah. No, I encourage everybody to, to check out the NFT Twitter space. Honestly, all you got to do is just go to Twitter, create an account, and then search the has- hashtag for like NFT Um, And you're going to just go down the rabbit hole. Uh, (laughs) So, man, Betty, we can't thank you enough for for spending the uh, the past 45 minutes with us today on the Crypto 101 podcast. And we look forward to hearing more about the the next developments uh, next time we get to speak. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cheers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.